a different kind of feeling whenever you know that at any point in time your life can be taken away but just because you're black. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter what potential you have, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Heart work. Work that is prompted by the heart or executed with all of one's heart. That's exactly what Letty Shoemate does as a historian, connecting the dots, creating educational content, and sharing her passion for history with the world is something that Letty does heart first. Welcome to The Safe Haven, a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life. Social media has become a fabulous connector for people around the world. As I continue on my anti-racism journey, I've found several accounts on Instagram that have taught me so much. I came across Letty's platform, which led me to her podcast, which I binged, which led me to her Patreon page, which I've since subscribed to. The way Letty shares her knowledge is seriously moving. She's direct, passionate, and extremely easy to listen to. In total transparency, I've been taking notes while listening to her podcast. She discusses a variety of topics in history and their connection to social issues. She has an ability to connect the dots in history, and she is incredibly talented. Knowing a little bit about Letty before we recorded, I had an idea about why she was so passionate about history, but of course I had to know more. So Letty, why history? Well, I actually did not like history growing up. I actually preferred English classes. I liked social studies classes because I liked learning about the world, mm-hmm. like different people in the world, not like, not just the world, but just like humanity in the world. Mm-hmm. And I thought actually that I wanted to be a pediatrician, not even kidding. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a doctor most of my life, but then I met chemistry and that was a joke. So um, <laughs> I was like, absolutely not. not at all um but yeah I went to a community college for two years after high school and I had a teacher um and he was just phenomenal right like he talked about history without a book there were no powerpoints it was just him talking and his stories were so captivating and he just connected the dots like he told it like it just made sense it was much more than the seven things we learned in school about American history, like the Civil War and American Revolution. And then the three people, the three black people America wants to highlight for the Civil Rights Mm -hmm. Movement. And then I went to, I left the community college after two years and I went to a four-year university. And I just, yeah, I just fell in love with history. And I think though that it was really because of my own growth and my own like journey into becoming the black woman that I am now and I just was fascinated at the fact that there was so much more that I didn't know about the past and how much of it just resonated with me and also for black history especially it was it made me realize just much more about black culture Mm -hmm. and I just started connecting dots with that and then I loved it so much I got my master's in history Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, which was extremely rigorous 
extremely challenging. The program I did at the University of North Carolina at Wilmington was borderline a PhD program. It was really intense, and I'm thankful though now that it was. I, I really am. It, it taught me how to defend and how to find the facts and how to refute lies with facts and all kinds of things, but also how to do it without my voice shaking and how to do it standing flat-footed in front of anybody. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I just, history is so much more than dates and times. And whenever I realized that, that's when things changed for me, I think. I think when, when I realized that all of us are connected to everyone who came before us and the things that came before us are still evolving and are still being seen today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, I love it. It, it is my passion. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say in a couple of your podcasts and the IGTV lives that you've been doing recently, I've been seeing a lot and hearing a lot about how you connect the dots. And I just, I just wrote that down because you'd said that your history teacher had done the same. Is that something that for you that you were always able to do in history? Yeah, so it actually came really natural to me. My, I've always been a very inquisitive, wanting to know the root of things, wanting to know the why. I've always been that way my whole life. Uh, I actually talked to my mom about it recently, and she was like, yeah, you were wanted to know, but why is it like that? Mm-hmm. But why do we have to do it that way? But why isn't this happening the other way? Like, you know, I was always questioning, why does it have to be this way? Mm-hmm. And... Just with anything, right? <laughs> um, and for me, connecting the dots came easily. And it still comes easily for me. Maybe it's just because my, my brain just moves really fast. And I don't mean that to be like prideful or anything. I, mm-hmm. I truly do mean that. I <laughs> mm-hmm. um, And just that I love history so much and just I'm able to see the connections. I'm I'm able to say, okay, I can see this that happened in 1880 and connect it to what happened in 1970. And mm-hmm. my brain just can. Yeah. So connecting the dots though is also something that I saw was lacking in history education, especially in like public schools, right? Mm-hmm. Because history is taught like in this vacuum and people act like everything's isolated and it's absolutely not nothing that ever happened was isolated in history nothing and when i say that to people they're like oh but what about things that were happening in like africa Mm. and then we're here in like america and i'm like right well the apartheid movement in africa was happening the same time that our civil rights movement was happening Mm -hmm. so there are always parallels Mm -hmm. um whether it's with imper- and think about world history, you know, think about imperialism and colonialism. All of those are extremely connected with all the countries in the world. And with American history, though, in particular, people don't connect the dots to understand and acknowledge how systemic racism and white supremacy have always been at the foundation of connecting mm-hmm. any dots in our country's history. Mm-hmm. And so I think that also stood out to me a lot was just the constant, like, it's just so obvious. Mm-hmm. It's just so obvious. And so that's why now I have, I 
always bring in racism and white supremacy with American history because you can't talk about American history without the two. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. I've noticed that theme kind of laced throughout a lot of your podcasts because like I told you the other day, I've been like binging your podcast and I'm taking notes and yeah. like, it's so good, Letty, honestly. But I'm I'm wondering with your podcast as well, did your podcast, was it always something that you wanted to do or what kind of brought you into that? Yeah. So I actually had a blog first um, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll blog. All right. Um, actually, I'll go back before that. I completed my master's in history in 2015 and then I worked and taught at a college and worked a full-time job while doing that and all of these things. And I got married and I was like, I have got to do more than what I'm doing. I've got, I don't want to work in corporate America. It was literally sucking the soul out out of me. I just did not like it at all. But I'm also a person where I'm like, okay, well, I had to work, you know, I had to get a job, but it's also whenever I'm convicted to do something by God, it's like, well, you need to do it. Mm. Like you need to do this, whether it's comfortable or not. And that though is also a whole other conversation about my journey, my relationship with God and what that truly looks like. And I, yeah, I was working, I decided to go back to school to get my second master's in conflict management and resolution. I was working part-time as an after-school program coordinator. I was unpacking some trauma and all these things in my own past life. And I say that and people are like, oh my gosh, trauma. And I'm like, we've all experienced trauma. Mm-hmm. Trauma is so, people don't understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. we, we've all experienced something that's like traumatic. Um, and I, uh, yeah, it just, I was like, I've got to do more. I just want to talk about history. And so, that, so then I started blogging. I didn't want to blog anymore. I was like, I don't want to keep typing. People don't want to read a 20-page blog post. And so people had been telling me, right, like, Letty, you have got to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Because whenever I'm around anyone, I talk about history, and I get in my zone where I'm talking about being anti-racist and all the things, especially history, though, people are just like, people listen to you. Like, and people used to always tell me that, right? Like, people listen to what you're saying. And I'm over here, I'm like, oh, I'm just ranting away, right? And I decided last year to start my podcast. Mm-hmm. And it was so wonderful because I'm able to just let everything out. I just go on mm-hmm. rants during my episodes. <laughs> I can just, and it's like, <laughs> these are the things that people need to hear, right? And I think yeah. it also goes into transparency, because I feel like too often people want to say everything the right way, right? Like, mm-hmm. the, well, I don't want people to not listen. I'm like, okay, well, if if the truth that I'm telling you makes you not want to listen to my podcast, then do you really want the truth? Because mm-hmm. I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm not saying it to hurt your feelings. No, but I'm also not going to be upholding and pacifying and appeasing white feelings either. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. Because... No, just no. It's really enjoyable to listen to. And I really love though, too, that like you just kind of jokingly said about how you just go on rants and then you kind of come back to center. And But it's really enjoyable to listen to because the education that you bring forward and the way with which you speak and the way with which you break down your podcast, every single one has numerous takeaways. Like I said, I've been taking notes and (laughs) and I appreciate you for it because You can tell that your heart and soul is in this podcast with every message that you bring forward. Yeah, it like really is. I really like want people to, and that's why like in some of my episodes, I 
get emotional, mm-hmm. like my voice cracking. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's happened in a couple of them. And actually, I don't ever go back and edit my podcast. Mm-hmm. I will, if I like mess up during it, sure. I'll like go back and like rewind and do that part over again. But as far as going back and editing, nope, I just don't because I want it to be authentic and I want it to be real. Mm-hmm. Um, not that other podcasts aren't real, but whenever I'm telling the history and I get emotional and upset and angry and I start cussing and or people hear my voice start to tremble, I want them to hear that. Like mm-hmm. I want people to see the depth of how I feel history. Like I feel history so deeply. I feel racial justice so deeply. Mm-hmm. I don't cry over like romantic movies. I cry over history movies. I get excited whenever like something is triumph like you see it in in my history movies that are that are the real history movies not the bullshit the help movies because those are not true history but anyway mm-hmm. um <laughs> but like yeah i want people to understand that what i'm doing is truly my passion truly my mm-hmm. purpose and truly my calling and i've that's been confirmed for me so many times and in different ways by God that it's just people wouldn't even believe how things conspire to work for your good whenever you're doing what you're supposed to do in the world. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to reach everybody. I know that I'm not. I know that I'm not going to reach everybody. But if I can reach some people and they tell some people, that's how change happens. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just want people to hear my passion. Mm-hmm. And know that I'm not doing this for self-glorification or mm-hmm. um, to have this self-righteous attitude. No. And it's just what I love to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I have the strength and the stamina to do it because it, it is heavy. I don't just talk about this stuff on my podcast. I'm a whole black woman in America. That's a whole other level of um, trying to deal and I say that because it's not like, you know, people who are Muslim, I don't want people to think, oh, well, because, you know, you, you say that people are like, oh, well, do you live in a bad neighborhood? Do you, like, what is going on? I'm like, no, this is just the reality of America. What I mean by that is just, is racism is just systemic mm-hmm. and it comes in all forms. And right now, especially in America, it's, uh, it's a different kind of feeling whenever you know that at any point in time your life can be taken away but just because you're black. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter what potential you have, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I do this stuff, this work. I, whenever I'm reading, my reading is about American history, black history, not the stuff that is like Brown versus Board of Education, not not just that stuff. I mean, like, I have a book that I'm going to start reading this weekend, actually, and it is, it's a collection of narratives by formerly enslaved women. These interviews were conducted around, like, 1910 and 1920, and, the, and it's um, black women who were formerly enslaved talking about what they went through and, like, the physical and sexual abuse that they experienced. And so these are things that I read. Um, because someone's got to tell the truth and someone's got to be able to talk about it and someone's got to be able to keep reading it. Or mm-hmm. I'll read about mass incarceration and lynching in, in America. And just you're, I'm reading about the massive and continuous and relentless ways that the American government has wanted to keep black people in America and other people of color subordinate. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. in inferior. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm reading that history, I'm thinking about the fact that my parents, my dad is 75. Whenever he was 18, he couldn't vote. Even after he was 20 and the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act were passed here in our country, um, even after that, he still couldn't because people think that because mm-hmm. a law is written, right, mm-hmm. that, oh, okay, well, then everyone just, just can do it. That's actually not how America works. Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, it's, it's not like my parents or like my great-grandparents who aren't here anymore. They're my parents who have stories about the same history that I'm reading. And also it's interesting because I'll share things with them that I've researched and i found and mm-hmm. I've dug up. During the time that they were like in their early 20s and mm-hmm. 30s and for, and they're like, we didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Just because like this is what we do as historians is we find the things that were hidden and we find the things and we just connect the dots for people. And um, yeah, so I ought to say that this is why like I tell people that I don't do this for like shits and giggles. It's just yeah. not no. Yeah. I just. <laughs> well, that's like what one of my next questions was actually going to be was having to do with your family's thoughts, like between your husband and your parents and your family. I mean, when they're looking at their past and the voices that they would have been able to have or to share or to move forward and what's happening now, I mean, your discussions that you guys have and the conversations that you have as a family must be so interesting right now because of the mega shifts that are happening and the work that you're doing to bring this education on a platform, like a podcast platform forward. Yeah. Like I actually was at my parents' house last weekend, maybe the weekend before last. And yeah, I, uh, we actually, to be honest, the conversations don't, aren't different. Mm. Um, because we're, we're black. Mm -hmm. This is, this is what we always talk about. Like, this is just like, Right now, America is like, oh, my gosh, all the things are happening, mm-hmm. right? Oh, my gosh, this is what racism is. Oh, my gosh. And we're like, yeah, I've dealt with racism my whole life. Mm-hmm. So for us, yeah, of course, we're talking about the news and we're talking about George Floyd and how he's murdered. Okay. We're talking about Ahmaud Arbery and how he was murdered. We're, we're talking about these things. But these mm-hmm. are conversations that I had with my parents in 2014 Remember, Eric Garner was choked out in mm-hmm. New York by police officers. Mm-hmm. Like, so for me and for a lot of other black people I've listened to, I can't speak for all black people, but for other black people, you know, anti-racism educators out here, um, we are saying something similar where we're just like, yeah, this is, this is what we talk about. Like this is, this kind of stuff that I'm talking about right now, this work that I'm doing didn't just start in 2020. Mm-hmm. I, um, whenever Trayvon Martin was killed by George Zimmerman, he was 17 years old. He was killed by George Zimmerman mm-hmm. in 2012. I was, that was the year that I started my master's in history. And so I'm coming into this work of digging so momentously, so deep into history. And at the same time, this is never black lives matter started to come about in our country. And so all of these things were happening around me as I'm reading the history, as I'm coming into the black woman that I am. And I, as a black person, 
don't have the luxury to decide that, okay, now I'm going to start caring about mm-hmm. police brutality. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to start caring about systemic racism. Mm-hmm. No. Like my mom and dad like remember the horror of the civil rights movement and things that were happening. They remember living in North Carolina in the 50s and experiencing um, the Klan. Like they mm-hmm. remember these things. And so for me, I'm just like, yeah, this is, uh, this is what we talk about. <laughs> this is what we talk about often. And of course, I mean, whenever we get together, we're like laughing and joking and all these things, but it's important for America, white America to understand that for many black people, in America, the discussions around race and racism and injustice happen all the time mm-hmm. because we're always experiencing it. That's right. It's just that now it's all over social media. Mm-hmm. Now people can see whenever someone is being harassed in a store because they're black. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've, I saw that so many times growing up. Yeah. Like, so it's, um, so that's the thing too right now that I continue to say and that I know other black educators continue to say and not even just black educators, just black people, okay, mm-hmm. in America are saying, yeah, uh-huh, right, we're real for Eric Garner. Yeah. The same thing happened to him. Right? Mm-hmm. So what changed? I'm mm-hmm. not saying I'm, I'm upset that people are now stepping into the work. Mm-hmm. No, I am so damn glad mm-hmm. people are waking up. Mm-hmm. But it's like I'm not going to to clap for you because you want to be seen now as doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And we've been screaming about our humanity for 400 years. Yeah. Like we've been. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to clarify something too, because you just said about the doing the work. And I know that doing the work has been a bit of a phrase that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, um, especially it's all over social media and you know, white people have adopted it as they are doing the work and they're educating themselves and blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to talk about the importance of two things here. Number one is credible sources. You and I just talked about this yesterday about the importance of having credible sources. Can you speak to that? And then I'll have my point B. (laughs) Yeah. So credible sources. Yeah. What I also want people listening to understand is that not everyone is credible at all, like at all. I mean, think if like you go to get your car fixed and you go to a mechanic and he messes your car up even more. You're never going to go back to him again. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to a better mechanic, right? And you wish that someone had told you, hey, don't go to that guy down the street because he's going to rip you off. Go to the guy up the street this way and he'll treat you better, right? Mm-hmm. Your your car is going to last longer. Mm-hmm. And so for me with people who are just right now over, okay, first of all, people are already overwhelmed. Okay. People who want to dig into work are overwhelmed. There's a lot of information. It's just overload. That I recognize as a normal human reaction to anything that you're introduced to and that you're trying to learn about, period. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you start a new job, you're going to be like, okay, what do I need to do? I'm overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. I need help. Um, and so whenever I tell people this, I also tell them, but make sure that where you're looking at your information are credible sources like Candace Owens. Candace Owens is not a credible source. She never will be a credible source. She 
is a black person in America who I will say is not for black people. Because if she was for black people, she wouldn't say half the shit that like she, she said. Mm-hmm. And there are the Candace Owens of the world, the Ben Carsons of the world, right? They, they're, I don't want white people to think, oh, I can just go to any black person and tell me the same thing. No, we're not all a monolith, first of all. We're not all a monolith. We don't all speak for each other. I don't speak for any other black person except for myself. Mm-hmm. I just, period. Okay, just because we're black in America does not mean we all experience the exact same thing. But collectively, we all experience systemic racism and injustice because we are black. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, sources. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I always have to clarify that for people, though, because, yeah. like, people always ask me those questions. So I've learned now, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, let me go ahead and just prep this with these things. But, yeah, I mean people need to know like whenever you go to google something don't just go google and get the first thing that you find like mm-hmm. no you have to vet your sources um if you don't know where to go like my instagram i have resources i have a patreon where i have a reading and like resource list for people if people message me okay and they ask me like and i'm going to clarify this too Well, I want white people who are listening to understand is don't go and ask black people, like, can you explain this to me? Can you explain racism to me? Yeah, like expecting a one-on-one education. Exactly. Yeah, no, we're not. No, no. I'm, I'm not going to explain that to you. You can listen to my podcast, right? And you can learn that. Mm-hmm. So, so that's frustrating. But if someone were to ask me or tell me, and because this has happened many times the last couple of weeks, people are like, Hey, so I saw your reading list post that you put on Instagram. I'm just wondering, is there another book you would also recommend? I don't mind answering that question. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like, yeah. that's fine. So don't come into my inbox or anything at all to any black person expecting us to give you a one-on-one mm-hmm. session, answering all of your questions and appeasing your white guilt. Because that's also what you're showing up for white people is white guilt. Mm-hmm. Is this wanting to apologize like i'm so sorry this is happening i'm just so sorry you're going through this oh this isn't like a one-time thing in america because you're white and you your eyes have been slightly cried open you don't need to say sorry mm-hmm. we've been living this like don't say sorry take that energy and work to actively dismantle racism and white supremacy take that energy and read and listen That's also what doing the work is. Doing the work, whenever I say it, I don't mean, okay, well, go out there and figure it out. See ya. No. Like, that's, what the hell? That's not even, no. Mm. But, like, come to my Instagram. See what resources I have. Look at who I follow. Um, Follow other black educators. Learn from them. That's also doing the work. But doing the work is also not just that. Doing the work is also you going and you sitting with that. Mm-hmm. being uncomfortable because you're going to be uncomfortable as a white person you're going to probably get pissed off you're going to want to not listen anymore and you're going to want to turn away and not do anything else because you're going to feel attacked mm-hmm. that's white fragility showing up mm-hmm. that's what you don't need to do because i don't have the luxury as a black person to just decide that i don't want to go anywhere out here because i'm just following in a store okay i don't have the luxury of saying like okay well i just don't want to deal with america because <laughs> I have things I need to do and I don't know. Like, no, because Mm -hmm. you are a, y'all are white people. Mm -hmm. The world is already working in your favor. So what you need to do is understand 
that I'm sorry, my cat was just sneezing like 12 times in a row, <laughs> and it very concerned me. I'm so sorry. May have to edit. I did. I don't I'm even sorry. think I heard I'm it. So sorry. Okay, sorry. Oh man, that scared me. She she has a cold. I'm so sorry. And I thought she was like freaked. okay. Anyway, so sorry. Um, but yeah, like white fragility shows up for white people mm-hmm. all the time, and like it's exhausting mm-hmm. because then it's like if I get a message about like oh I'm just so sorry. Like I get it. That's what you want to say. But y'all, my it's. It's the whole system. It's the whole everything. This is, take that energy and dismantle this stuff, right? Take that energy and actively start amplifying black voices. Mm-hmm. This is not to say go out there and run and try to educate white people. Because first of all, that's, that's something else that's been happening. It's white people are like, okay, well, I've read a book. I need to do a book club and have these conversations with my white friends. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Now, if you read one book about race, you need to still keep reading. Mm-hmm. There's not a one, like an end-all, be-all to understanding. Mm-hmm. You need to take the time to read, to listen, and to mm-hmm. sit with yourself, to notice how, how you react, to notice and ask yourself, how have I perpetuated white supremacy? Mm-hmm. How have I been, like, participated in racism whenever it comes to the systemic racism? Not individualistic. It's a sense racism, right? Mm-hmm. How have I given into microaggressions? Like these are all the things. It's about the hard work, right? It's about you you have to start with yourself if you plan on doing anything out here in the world. Mm-hmm. I know that went a lot further than your credible sources, but I no, no, I, that was great yeah. because honestly, I had some kind of ideas of things that I wanted to touch on, and I kid you not, the last three you've just like been bam, bam, bam. <laughs> You're nailing this, Letty. Because <laughs> I even wrote down like the apologizing thing for being white. Yeah, it definitely all just goes together. Well, and I had written down the apologizing for. Uh, or apologizing and doing the work or just the fact that white people are messaging black people and apologizing. And, but then also is so many people, it seems to be that there's that message of they don't want to say the wrong thing. Do you know what I mean? So then people aren't saying anything because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Right. Or that there's this assumed responsibility that has now been so convoluted or has become so confusing for so many people that they don't know where to start or that they've assumed that they just right. have no idea as to what to what next steps to take. Yeah. Um and again, that is a normal like reaction as a basic human being, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's sometimes lost in this discussion like nationally. Um cuz I I also know that there are some people out here who are just like, okay, well, don't ask me. You need to just figure mm-hmm. it out. It's not my job. But my personal spirit is moved to understand and know that I do not get where I am right now because of my own doing. Mm-hmm. I don't go through life thinking that nothing can be taken away from me at any moment because I know that it can because I just believe in God. I know that I can be humbled and I, and I have been humbled a lot and I, um, not through anything drastic, but like what I mean is just like, you know, growth, this wisdom and like discernment. And so for me, I'm just like, yeah, that kind of language is problematic. And 
it's problematic for whenever it's extreme. It's not problematic because I also say, like, okay, y'all need to do the work. But that's not the same as saying, don't ask me any questions because I'm not going to answer them. I'm tired of talking to you. Mm-hmm. Like, no. But white people also know that, yeah, we are tired. Black people are tired. Mm-hmm. We are tired. And so that's why you don't need to go into it setting yourself up to get, like, a message of, like, please do not do that to me right now. Like, I keep saying this over and over and over again, right? Um, and yet there will still be someone who comes into my inbox and does exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> and I just, though, want people to understand and to know that you're going to mess up. Mm-hmm. You're not going to know all the answers because that's not how things work, right? That's just not how things work. And you don't need to just not say nothing. That's not solving anything, right? Like, mm-hmm. not saying anything is going to do a lot more harm. Mm-hmm. Because then, if, like, you start doing the work, right? Like, you're reading, you're trying to be, um, like, just be knowledgeable about things. And then all of a sudden, you stop doing it because you're just like, well, I just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Then That looks like performative, quote-unquote, allyship. I don't even like using the word allyship because I feel like the word ally, people just are like, oh, I'm going to be your ally and i'm like okay what you're saying next to me during a protest like but what are you doing mm-hmm. other than that what are you doing mm-hmm. like are you are you giving up your comfort as a white person to dismantle racism are you calling out your family are you having those hard conversations like are you like wrestling with your own self that's what it really is that's mm-hmm. what dismantling racism is all about Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I want people to know, though, that it's okay to not know and it's okay to be like, I'm overwhelmed right now. And that's why you come to people or like, you go to Instagram pages like mine or, or my Patreon or th- those of others, many others that I also know. And you go and you just read and you just learn. You know, think about it like if you're starting a new job. You're not just going to quit your job because, mm-hmm. oh, this was just a really hard day today. Mm-hmm. Like, no. You still have bills to pay. Yep, exactly. Right? Like, you, just, <laughs> like yep. you can't just leave and just that be it. Mm-hmm. So I want people to really get that and do understand, too, that I, and I can speak for myself here, I want people to want to continue doing the work. Mm-hmm. I want people to continue to have the hard conversations. Mm-hmm. I want people to do this. I want people to listen to my podcast. I want people to read my lessons with Letty on my Patreon so that they can, like their eyes can be open and they can just see like, oh, okay. I'm just not knowing what I thought that I knew. Like I just need to unlearn what I thought that I knew already. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. And I hope that that like helps some people who are listening to know and be reassured that mm-hmm. you don't need to center yourself in anything right now or ever as a white person. Centering yourself as a white person is very damaging. And centering yourself is whenever you do things like you display white fragility. Mm-hmm. Someone might start to display white fragility and they're like, okay, well, I just don't want to do this anymore. I just give up. It's just too much. Yeah. Know that like just because you receive some kind of negative feeling or like you feel something negative while you're Mm -hmm. doing this work doesn't mean that that's the last straw. That doesn't mean that you have to stop. If we all did that for things in our lives, like where would any of us be right now? Mm -hmm. And I want people to really understand that. Like if I, I 
am out here right now. People see me and they're like, oh my gosh, you're doing all this amazing work. I've been rejected from jobs so many times. I have been overlooked for opportunities to speak and do these things so many times. And I still, though, didn't stop doing what I'm doing ever. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter, right? I, it, you still have to keep going. Mm-hmm. And if white people really want to make a change and they really, truly want to do it, then you have to do the work to do it. Mm-hmm. And that work involves wanting to throw something across the room sometimes, but still picking the book back up anyway. Yeah. Which is what you have promised yeah. me when this uh, the new Jim Crow arrives, I'm going to want to do. You, you are. Like, you're going to be like, what am I reading? I'm not even kidding you. Like, I want you to like text me and just be like, I will. Buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, though, I had um, I had two really close girlfriends of mine that I'd been talking to over the last two days. And we were just talking about how, like you said, when you reach out to different people in the black community and you're asking whether it's their advice or where they would turn next or what they're reading or whatever people tend to have a slightly different response to this question, which would be, because this is in your opinion, what is the best advice that you would give someone moving towards becoming anti-racist or the steps that they would take to be anti-racist? So really the first, I mean, it's honestly, and I don't even mean to say it to sound very nonchalant, but honestly, listen and read. Mm Mm-hmm. Listen and read and watch, like watch documentaries that we recommend. Listen to what we're saying on like, you know, podcasts or in IG lives or mm-hmm. in books by us. Um, read books that are written by black people and people of color. Mm-hmm. Read those books. Like, like that, that's priority. Listen and just, and sit with things, right? And also, that's another thing. I have my... I know I mentioned earlier, my master is also in conflict management and resolution. And so whenever people hear that, they're like, oh, well, mediator and facilitator. I'm like, yes, I did those things. Yeah, I, I do know how to do those things. Mm-hmm. However, I also had to learn about like how the brain works, how emotions work, how the nervous system works, how the body reacts to when we hear something that, that we don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so that's why often also I'll tell people like ground yourself. If like you start to listen to like a podcast and it makes you uncomfortable and you want to get defensive as a white person, pause it. Don't turn it off. Just pause it. Get up, walk around, go wash dishes, go run, something, come back to it. Mm-hmm. But don't stop just because you feel uncomfortable. Don't stop doing that. Yeah. And I tell people this <laughs> because I'm black and I've had bosses where they purposely overlooked me because I was a black person or I experienced microaggressions with them or just not just bosses, people out here, anyone. It happens all the time. But I don't just stop leaving my house and being who I am because of that, right? Mm-hmm. And whenever it comes to people, yeah, on their anti-racism journey, start by listening and yeah, just be quiet. Be quiet and learn because what you think you know, you don't know. Mm -hmm. Especially if whenever I mention like white privilege to people Mm -hmm. and um, and they automatically get defensive. Automatically. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, but I've worked for everything. And I'm like, I never told you that you didn't work for everything. Mm -hmm. And so I try to have the conversation with people if I'm emotionally where I can. Sometimes I just don't because some people are just so fucking ignorant and they're not going to listen. Um. They're just not. And I'm not going to put myself through that at, at all. I'm not going to argue with any white person about what I'm telling you about racism ever in my life. 
that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're not arguing with me about what I live and experience every day. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I want people to just know, like, just listen. Mm-hmm. And whenever I mention white privilege, oh, yeah, that's what I was talking about, sorry. Um, whenever I mention white privilege, yeah, people want to get very defensive and all these things. And if that already is making you defensive and you want to be on your anti-racism journey, you need to just chill and deal with that. Mm-hmm. you need to deal with that and you need to keep on reading and keep on learning because you're going to realize and see that it's not an insult to you as a white person. That's right. It's not. It's, it is what you are born with mm-hmm. because racism is systemic and it's a system of disadvantages based on race. Mm-hmm. And when I say based on race, because that's, race is also a, a social construct. And when you think about that, you think about how whiteness becomes normalized and ideal because of all these negative things that blackness is associated with. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the, the conversation of anti-blackness and racism. And so it's, just, it's, it's all connected. But mm-hmm. yeah, anti-racism journey, it's a journey, not a destination. You're not just going to get it right. Like, okay, I've read a few books and I'm good. Yeah. Nope. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Yeah. Great answer. That was Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, And then I also have a girlfriend of mine. She's a clinical social worker. She works in couples therapy and perinatal mental health and had a really interesting question. And I'd love your perspectives on this. When it comes to perpetuating systematic and systemic racism, what professions continue to perpetuate that in your opinion? Um, Yeah. So all of them. I'm going to say all of them. And I say all of them because if people want to just say, like, okay, there's one or two professions that that do it the most, you're missing the point of what racism is. Hmm. Um, Racism is not just a police officer murdering a black person. Mm -hmm. That's not all that it is. That police officer is part of an institution that upholds that is like, so yeah, like they're just part of the bigger white white supremacy culture in an institution in America that allows the police to do what they do, mm-hmm. which is, goes back to the bigger system of racism and laws that were made to protect whiteness mm-hmm. at all costs. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, there's that. There's, I, well, actually, I'll just go through a few professions just, just to explain why I said all of them. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um doctors right like oh but are doctors and nurses i'm like yeah because there's already implicit biases about the black body already i have friends that have had babies and they're black and they did not get the treatment they should have gotten just because they're black does that mean the doctor didn't go in there and do their job nope does that mean the doctor abandoned them not necessarily what it means though is that our healthcare system in america is not accessible to black people easily like it is to white people. Mm-hmm. We could bring the poor into this too, but I won't even go there today. But <laughs> um, like, it's just things like that, right? Like, it's, it's not like there's just a doctor who's just an extremely racist person and he's a doctor and he doesn't treat black people. No, that, that, that actually does happen though. Let me clarify that. That actually does happen. That is a real thing too. Mm. Um, but that's not what I mean. What I mean is just, a friend of mine who had a baby, but the doctor didn't believe her. And she said that her 
pain was as high as it was because there's this stereotype and this idea about black people in our bodies that we don't experience pain the way that white people do. That goes all the way back to enslavement of my ancestors here. This idea that, oh, well, black people, they, they don't experience and we weren't even black people then, we were just slaves. Um, they didn't experience pain. It was just this idea that we just didn't, and that gets passed down through generations, right? Through generations, through generations, this, this idea of nothing can hurt them, right? Mm. In this, um, matter of fact, I was reading the other day about how white people justify black people being enslaved in America because our bodies were built for this and white bodies oh. were not. Girl, all kinds of things. But the thing about it is, remember, people think about things being passed down, right? You mm-hmm. think about, oh, I got my mom's eye color. I got my dad's, like, nose. I got this personality trait from my mom, right? You know, we, we mm-hmm. think of these things with DNA. What people don't think about is the thoughts and the ideas that are passed down through DNA as well, because they are. And I learned so much about that in a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's so good. And it opened my eyes to so much. And my entire program I just finished opened my eyes to how trauma and ideas are also passed down through generations mm-hmm. without us even knowing it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, doctors, police, and think about teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Education. Woo! Education system in this damn country. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. The level of racism that exists in this country mm-hmm. <laughs> with that. Like the, that's so that's the thing is racism is systemic in America, but there are so many branches, right? There's so many branches and then sub branches and then more sub branches and pigs and all these things. And yeah, teachers, there are teachers, right? Who don't want to touch black children. Mm -hmm. There are teachers who don't care who will acknowledge their white children and not acknowledge their black children. Or there are teachers who will say things to their black kids like, oh, why is your hair like that today? Oh, yeah. Because the girl's hair is in braids and it's not in a ponytail like it was the day before. That's a microaggression. Microaggressions are racist. So that's why I'm like, like all professions do this mm-hmm. because of the system that's put in place. There isn't just one that does it more than another. Mm-hmm. One is more blatant maybe than another. Mm-hmm. One is more overt mm-hmm. than another. But no, Mm -hmm. because historically, people, (laughs) the the bankers, the the lawyers, the Supreme Court justices, the presidents of this country, the senators, the grocery men, the milkman, the postal man, they were all complicit in a system that did not want black people here. Whenever you think about the money in our country, capitalism, right? How we have the quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes literally right now, wealth that we have. It's mm-hmm. off the backs of enslaved black people and everyone in the country worked together to allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. So when people tell me like, oh, well, what does Carnegie Steel have to do with enslavement? I'm like, all of these, like, it's just so much history that just connects. I'm like, well, because Carnegie, Carnegie Steel wouldn't have been where it was or had the millions of dollars, billions of dollars that he had 
if it was not for convict leasing mm-hmm. and the wrongful imprisonment of black men. And then, and then why did that happen? Oh, because after slavery, after 1865, white people were so damn afraid of black people having any kind of humanity in this country that they found a way to go around and find a loophole in our 13th Amendment to then continue to enslave mm-hmm. black people. Mm-hmm. And so then those, those black men, they went to the coal mines. They went and they made all of the equipment for the steel companies and all these railroad factories. And then you have people like Carnegie Steel who have all the money. And then people want to say, oh, but he didn't own, own his people. Yeah, but he definitely profited the hell off of it. Mm-hmm. So that's why whenever people talk about it. Mm-hmm. We talk about racism. I'm like, the complicity has always been here. Like, mm-hmm. it's always been in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I know you're in Canada. And so I know yesterday we were talking about what you all see happening in our country. Mm-hmm. And I know that you all see the cops. And you're like, oh, my gosh, how how is that happening there? Mm-hmm. It's always happened here. Mm-hmm. It's just that in the last 10 years, the level of social media has just expounded right Mm -hmm. yeah it's always been happening it's just been being recorded now right yeah and that's whenever I bring in even more history for people kind of like what I just did like to connect those dots because people don't see it and so yeah to really right to like the definitive answer for your question there isn't just one profession Mm -hmm. that just is the one that just does it the most because the word the most is so subjective at this time is uh, yeah a, a cop that's out here and is remembering that he will get x amount of dollars at the end of the year according to how many black people he yeah. arrests yeah mm-hmm. that's racist but mm-hmm. is that worse than the doctor who's not paying attention to my friend whenever she was giving birth to her child I'm like she could have died mm-hmm. because he thought that she could take the pain Mm -hmm. whether he realized it or not whether it's intentional or not yeah it's there and that's where the work has to be done Mm -hmm. that's where you have to be sure like whenever i'm talking to like my husband and i'm talking in a certain tone and he he's not receptive to that i have to really do the work to remember okay buddy you may have been like this your whole life but you can't keep doing that with him because he's not going to listen to you it's not about me it's about do I actually want to keep communicating with him or do I want to walk around being like, okay, well, I've done this my whole life. So I'm all that matters. Hell no. Mm-hmm. No. And I know that's like a, maybe a weird analogy and it sounds very simple, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's the answer to that. There isn't yeah. one. There's just one. Yeah. There's one that's seen more blatantly, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that that's, that's the only one. Mm-hmm. There are people that co-sign what cops in this country do. Yeah. It's the Supreme Court. They they co-sign it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that. I have some... I, I, I'm just looking at the time. I was like, man, I could just talk to you and hang out with you all day, Letty. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I also respect your time so much. So, when I wrap up the Safe Haven episodes, I like to ask three kind of Safe Haven style questions. You ready? Mm-hmm. What are you most proud of? Me personally, mm-hmm. I am, I'm honestly most proud of my own journey and my, my own growth with my black identity um, 
in America, but just just my like tenacity and the the continued just how I continue to do this work. Just mm-hmm. I'm just really proud of it. I'm really proud of my ability to reach people and mm-hmm. I'm really proud of I I just really am and I don't say that to be like boastful or prideful, but I really am proud of that. I'm really, because I could not have these conversations that I'm doing right now with people. I couldn't have done this. I don't know. I'm 32 years old. I couldn't have done this when I was 18. Mm-hmm. No. And I'm so glad that I have just followed my purpose and my calling and that I'm, I'm seeing that I'm reaching people. I think that's also it. This kind of sounds weird. I'm proud that people are listening. Mm-hmm. Because that's also with them. I'm I'm glad that people are. Um, yeah, I guess that's like mm-hmm. the simple answer without yeah. going into like all these subheadings with that. <laughs> no, it was great. Thank you. What do you want to be known for? Yeah, I really want to be known for uh, how I how I can tell and teach history. Mm-hmm. I I really do, and I say that because people have always been like. Oh, like you have such a way with words, like you this, you that. And I didn't believe them years ago. I was just like mm-hmm. back during grad school, even. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's really not a big deal. It's not a big deal. But I, yeah, I now I'm like, yeah, I want to be known for what I bring to the table. And again, that's not like to be like self righteous or anything, but I do want to be known for that because me being known for that lets people like lead other people to what I'm saying so that they can be educated, so Mm -hmm. that they can have a heart change, so that Mm -hmm. they can have a mind change. That's what I mean. Like I want to be known for this. People can tell their friends or their family, like, hey, I follow her. Listen to what she's saying because this has helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. Because that is why I do this. Mm -hmm. That is honestly why I do this. Um, So, yeah, that's why I want to be known for how I teach and how I talk and the way that I connect the dots. Because it's going to it's going to change people. I mm-hmm. truly believe it's going to make a difference. Yeah, it already is. Yeah, you are very very good at what you do. Oh, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you had a message for the world and everyone listening, what would it be? Wow. Um, if I had a message for the world, people listening right now. Wow. I would. Okay, so I have a couple of things. Number one, <laughs> number one, um, know that there's always more. There's always so much more complexity to history than you can ever imagine. I want people to know that because people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. And that it's important to pay attention to the questions that aren't answered. And then also another message is just don't stop the momentum that you see right now that like people who are listening to right now, don't just stop giving a shit about racism whenever it stops trending. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Don't think that because it gets quiet and, Oh, well, this person's not posting posting about it anymore. And I'm not going to either. Okay. People aren't aren't talking about it. That's never how change has ever been made in the history of ever. Mm -hmm. Never. It takes time to get things accomplished. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in our country, we glorify the civil rights movement, which is great. I don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Yes, there was, the civil rights movement was very complex. It was, yeah, it was extremely, there's so much that was happening that people don't know about. And I, I want people to know that 
Yeah, so you read history and you read it all on like a page in a history book, it looks like it's just, oh, it happened in like a year. Y'all know it took years, mm-hmm. like years of sacrifice, years of like giving up something financially, right? Years of just, yeah, um, to make change happen. And so I want people to know that like, yeah, just don't don't stop. Don't stop doing the work. Don't think that you've just reached enough and you've had done enough. Like, no, speak up against injustice. Yeah, it might cost you some friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It might cost you some family members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's cost me some friends, a mm-hmm. lot of friends. Mm-hmm. People that I knew my whole life that I was like, wow, you voted for someone who literally gives no fucks about me at all. Mm-hmm. And that's okay for you. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, I want people to understand that this is what it looks like to really make a change. It's, it's not all, it's, it's not kumbaya, holding hands, and that's it. It is about revolution. It's about, like, overthrowing the system. And I'm going to touch on this for just a second because I know that we're at the end of time, but I do want to make this point. I haven't talked about it the whole episode, and I just thought about it. But um, when I talk about overthrowing the system, a lot of times in our country— White Christians hear that, and they're like, oh, no, we shouldn't do that. But they want to worship a Jesus that overthrew systems, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm just like, you have to. You have to really want the change to happen and not just – and not for you as a white person. The same, this is not about y'all. But we also, as black people in this country and other people of color who are in this country, we did not – create the system we did not create racism y'all did that Mm -hmm. and so you have to dismantle it Mm -hmm. you have to dismantle racism you have to dismantle white supremacy and you have to keep doing it and keep doing it and you can't just stop because you get tired or you can't just stop because someone called you out and now you're going to be banished by some of your friends you can't fucking stop doing it Mm -hmm. because we're not going to keep stop dying in this country Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's really my biggest message right now. Yeah, and so those what I just said, all of that, just <laughs> biggest thing to people right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, massive messages for sure. Yeah, uh, you got to hit me with your socials. Where can people find you, Letty? Yeah, so oh, you can find me on Instagram at sincerely dot Letty. Be sure to put the dot between sincerely Letty, mm-hmm. um, and then. I have a Patreon. Um, mm-hmm. It's patreon.com slash Letty Shoemate. I'm assuming you'll put this in the show oh, notes. totally. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I know my last name is, um, people are like, how do you spell that? <laughs> but if you go to my Sincerely, yeah. If I can go to my Sincerely Letty Instagram, I have a link in my bio and you can click that. It'll take you to my podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm also on Google Podcasts anchor and a few other platforms um but i know apple and spotify are like huge Mm -hmm. and then i also on there have a link to my patreon and just some other things i've been featured on and i'm on facebook um it's just sincerely letty on facebook and i'm going to soon have a new website so i'm very excited about Mm -hmm. that um i'm going to have a new website soon i planned (laughs) everything's happened so fast the last three weeks and so it's been like a lot going on, mm-hmm. just a lot going on. And so I'm definitely going to have my new website up, though, um, by July because okay. my podcast is on a pause right now. But new website will be back up in July 
and so will my, my podcast. That'll also be back in July. Amazing. Um, well, so, this yeah. is going live before July. So Yay, that's sweet. exciting because then people will be able to be directed to, to your new stuff. And I will update any of the links at the bottom as they change as well. Cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, Letty. I'm so happy we connected. Yes, me too. This mm-hmm. has been great. I've been yeah. like, looking forward to it all week. And I was like, what a great way to end my week. Yeah. Um, having a conversation. Yeah, I'm really glad that we connected over social media because you were just very genuine, just very like not centering yourself as a white person. And so that is also what stood out to me about you is you weren't approaching it as like, a, oh, look at me, look at me. It was more of a, like, no, I'm doing this to amplify voices. This is this is not about myself. So I, I also appreciate that. Um, Thank you for that. And I appreciate your, your willingness, yeah, to learn and to be on your anti-racism journey because mm-hmm. you don't have to be doing this either. So I'm yeah. glad that you are also doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Letty, thank you so much for being a part of this journey. Thank you for your time, your energy, and your work. I appreciate you so much, and I look forward to seeing and hearing more from you as your platform grows. To everyone listening, I recognize the privilege that comes with my platform, and I am committed to diversifying my content to create a more inclusive space with intention. If today is the start of your journey into the depths of anti-racism, learning and unlearning of old ways, Be kind to yourself. Try not to feel burdened by shame or guilt. Keep moving. Keep growing. Keep leading with love. And like Letty said, don't stop. Even when it gets hard, do not stop. I encourage you to diversify your own content of who you're following and to understand the difference between diversity and inclusion. If this episode has hit you right in the heart, which I'm sure it has, please screenshot the screen of the device that you're listening to this on, send it to your friends, and share it in your social media. Please be sure to tag us so that we can personally thank you for it. The work can be difficult, but it's necessary. If you haven't already, go start now. I highly recommend Letty's podcast called Sincerely Letty. Thank you for listening, and I will... Talk to you next week.